Welcome to the Science of Fiction. I'm Andrew Holding, and today I am joined by Daisy. Hello. Hi, and um, yeah, Will sadly can't join us because he's flying back from Spain, and I believe he's currently in the air somewhere. Like a flying saint. Yes, like a flying saint. We'll be talking about him later. Situate. Whee! Uh, so yeah, so today we're going to be loosely discussing medieval science. I'm not. <laughs> d- does medieval science exist, or is it something else back then? Uh, it does exist in a form. It's more of a philosophy and a search for truth and how the universe works, rather than... Actual science. Actual science. Well, when was science... Because even... So, Newton was still doing natural philosophy, wasn't he? I think so, yeah. It's just a really a 19th century thing. Yeah. So, um, we can't really claim it's science. But we can claim it's something we'd all probably consider science. Yes, of course. Of course. So we first got uh, a track lined up just to tell us a little about uh, my guest today. Tot zij helemaal ontvangt, zij die ik meer. 
97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm hello there we're back and this is the science of fiction and i'm gonna let you pronounce the title of that track it's called the flieger <laughs> and it was by andre Haasis. <laughs> yeah see i could not have done that as well um so um yeah so the reason we play that is you're dutch and do you um, hate that song I hate it heartily. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he's quite famous. He, like, if you go on the iTunes store, where I had to actually buy it earlier. I'm sorry. Um, it's um, highly, highly rated. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you're Dutch. You're obviously here in the UK at Cambridge University, and you're studying m- medieval... Is it just medieval stuff? Is it just general medieval? Um, no, it's early medieval history. So it's actually history. Okay. Yes, it is actually history. Um, in, I do not... Like, we're all just talking about science and all that. I do not really do that. I study a church history. Yeah, well, like, they had quite a lot to do with oppression of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, medievals were the oppression of Enlightenment, wasn't it? Is how many people see it. It's, all the, it's why, this sort of period where the fall of Rome and nothing much happened for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how loads of people see it. Actually, I think that's a bit of arrogance. It's all about your mindset on how the world is you yeah, well, are i'd rather go with naive than arrogant um it just it just suggests that i'm not arrogant mm, sorry I, I know nothing about it That's what, i did i did do it at age eight till ten at school it was yeah. great because it was really gory and i loved that as a kid indeed uh, that's partially why i like medieval <laughs> history as well <laughs> still, so so in this period of time so the roman empire has fallen mm-hmm. and Basically, what's happening is that the church takes hold. Is that right? Yes. Uh, so, is this after also the fall of Constantinople? No. So, Constantinople's still going away. So, that's all happy on the other side of. Yes, Europe. yes, that's still going strong. It's uh, Constantinople. It's got like this massive city with loads of bling in it, and the emperor is still there, and they still very much believe that Rome is actually going strong. But they believe the city of Rome's going strong, or just... The Roman Empire. The Roman, the Roman Empire, okay. Uh, and, what, and the Pope's obviously still back in Italy, so what's he doing? He's just cut off and doing his own... F- he also believes that the Roman Empire is going <laughs> strong. <laughs> They're just not talking to each other. Sort of, yes. Yeah. Okay, so it's an interesting... I mean, it's, it's about... So it's... I was trying to work out the date, so it's from about 500... Uh, AD to 15th century something like that yeah, yes but it's very dispute because it depends because it's such a big area it covers it's very it hard. definitely depends where like in Italy um, scientific things start early also the artistic revolution start early uh, earlier than for example in the Netherlands where well Britain was always behind on these things too I, I think there's a whole set of architecture missing from Britain because we never caught up bit backward isn't it yeah, yeah I'm sorry we, we do gothic architecture a lot of it uh, that's about it um, and of course so between around the same time this is when the what we now think of the Arab parts of the world were really pushing science compared to the medieval part of the world Yes, they were, um, also their mindset on what to do with the world and how to discover the world was completely different, which spurred them into scientific research. And that's where phrases like the word algebra come from. So, mm-hmm. that's sort of where we're coming from. That's why, so we do actually have something to talk about, we're a bit rude earlier. Uh, and we're also going to talk about a few things that you just find interesting and stuff you enjoy. So, we're going to go straight back into another song, and, um, yeah, this actually leads in something other than our dislike of, um... Your native land's music. Hurrah!
97.2 camfm.co.uk your station your camfm so that was a Carter by Sky, who uh, I, I think released that back in 1980 or something like that. It's ages ago, it's almost the Middle Ages. Yes, almost the Middle Ages, before we were born. Uh, but of course it is a, an electrical rendition of the original Bach piece. Yes, indeed. Uh, and the reason we play that is, well, it, it ties in very nicely with um, what we both thought was the theme to Dracula, but isn't. In fact, it's, as far as I worked out, never been used properly in a Dracula movie. It has been used in many parodies, in many computer games, as a horror theme, but not actually itself. It's very interesting. So, because uh, you, when we were talking about things we wanted to talk about, you brought up the idea of Dracula as one of the things, and that bit of music. Uh, so you obviously quite like the story. Oh yes, uh, I, I love horror in any form. Um, I was a bit disappointed. One of, this, one of the disappointments of last week to find out that this was actually never played by, I don't know, Christopher Lee on his pipe organ, which of course he has at his home, being the Arch Dracula. He, he needs to have a pipe organ, Christopher Lee, and we will be talking more about just Christopher Lee's awesomeness later. Uh, but of course, I mean, Dracula was somehow based on Vlad Vianpela. So is Vlad Vianpela back in 1431? Is that just getting a bit too late for the Middle Ages, or was that part of Europe still... Um... I think, oh gosh, that, that's that's bordering that's bordering it. But slightly earlier, um, Emperor Nero used to impale people as well. He used to have the Christians used as candles in his garden. Oh, that that's that's nice. That, that that's tasteful. Uh, having a barbecue and a Christian next to you just lighting. Uh, yes. Presumably, was to provide light as well as punishment. Yes. No. It's it's a decoration. I think because Vlad was it's. What I've got here is he's saying that he, uh, was, his father was a member of an order which actually protected uh, Christianity in Europe. So, mm-hmm. kind of, kind of keeping the impaling going both ways, you know, balance of impalement. Well, I don't see why both parties do not have the right to impale people for um, internal design purposes. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it gave him a good name. But of course, his other name, which is where Dracula comes from, was he was son of uh, his father Vlad II, who was Dracul. Mm. So uh, that that's an awesome name. But is it awesome because uh, Bram Stoker took it? I think it just sounds cool as well. So yeah, and um, Bram Stoker obviously made this character who came from Transylvania to England, though couldn't cross water without having st- uh, having sawn in the bottom of his coffin or something. Uh, vampires generally have problems staying away from their birth soil for a long time. So he had Transylvanian soil in his coffin? Yes. That That's a... It's a solution. I question whether it's still the same soil when you take it away. Yes, well, uh, it, it depends. Maybe you've got to do something with it, lay on it for a bit first. Yeah, keep, keep, or does he have to ship in more soil each week? Um, I, I think soil keeps very well. Soil keeps well. Soil, it's good to know that soil keeps well for vampires, because it would, it would be difficult. Uh, and the other thing, of course, about Dracula is, do you know he appeared in Buffy Vampire Slayer? <coughs> I'm afraid... What? <laughs> yeah, there's an episode where he turns up in um, Sunnydale. It's, it's a little known fact he turned up there. I, I love Buffy Vampire Slayer. It's brilliant for this sort of thing. So yeah, he turned up and he if it goes through. He has to he plays the classical sort of Hammer Horror style Dracula around all these other vampires, Buffy stuff who just complain about him the whole time, being all about you know the routine and the over the top and the acting and how actually he, he, you know he's not that great a vampire. Oh no, he's just very theatrical. Okay, this is another disappointment of the week. I thought it worked very well. He seduced himself into Buffy's house. Of course. Yeah, his mum's taken over by it. It's just the vampires are jealous, I think, of him. Of course. I I, I would be. If, if, I, if I were a vampire and I saw Christopher Lee appear, or, or Dracul for any matter, I, I would be insanely the jealous. Name. But 
Is it? Do we know why Bram Stoker decided to pick Vladvi and Pater? Um, uh, I, I used to know this <laughs> because I used to be an even worse horror freak than I'm now. Um, I, I think he just found the name. Maybe he was a historian as well. Okay. Because one of the interesting things is he wasn't the first person to really write about vampires, but he was the person to sort of define vampires as everyone knows now. I mean, if anyone gets asked what a vampire is, we all think of Dracula, but there were other sort of vampiric things before then. Yes. Um, I, I used to have the horror handbook, which the Dutch listeners will know is by Paul von Loon, which is a handbook on how to survive various horror creatures. <laughs> And there it was written that Chinese vampires do not have the corners of their teeth pointed, oh. but ju- their front teeth, so they're like massive killer rabbits. That That is actually terrifying. That I, if a giant rabbit came for me wanting my blood, I, I don't know what to do. Um, especially if it's giant. Um, if it's small, shotgun. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether they will also respond to crosses. Well, presumably we have to be Christian for that. Because yeah. there's a very, oh, I wish I could remember, it's a, a really old uh, black and white spoof where uh, one of the people becomes a vampire, and he's Jewish. So when we try and use a cross on him, he goes, it doesn't work on me. Oh, that's in, that's brilliant. It's a brilliant light, and it, it is it is hysterical. It is, I think if you watched it now, it wouldn't be quite so funny, because back then it was a lot calmer, a lot slower. It's not that full in-your-face comedy, but it's a very clever twist. Um, and of course, holy water, of course, wouldn't it? Yes, um, sometimes sprinkling salt, but that's mainly against zombies. Yeah, because we talked about this. We had a zombie show, and it, the original zombies, not the ones we now see now, mm-hmm. salt would make them go and put themselves back in the grave, which I thought was wonderfully convenient that they go and rebury themselves. Exactly. You know, if, if you want to have an evil villain who just sorts himself out, because you don't want dead bodies, they smell. Yeah. So, and you don't really want to do the work either. I mean, we're all busy. Yeah. And when some zombie decides to walk in, you really can't be bothered to bury him again. So, what, where did, do you know where the garlic thing came from? No. Did you not do garlic in... So, zombies... Uh, sorry, not zombies. Uh, vampires are meant to be anti-garlic. Yes, I, I don't know why, because garlic is delicious. Maybe it's just because they can't enjoy it now, they're dead. Maybe they're really jealous. They're really jealous of our love of garlic. Could they also be anti-chocolate, then? We have to test this. Do, does, if anyone has any um, knowledge of where we can find a vampire, uh, do send in their address to studio at camfm.co.uk. Or you can use the little web form uh, at the bottom of the form, and we will conduct a scientific experiment on vampires and chocolate. Also, do we need some protective gear. Yeah, or, or can we get David Boreanaz to do it for us? Who's David Boreanaz? I should know. Dude, it's Angel. Oh, him! Oh, yes. yes. Now, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, we'll get him to do it. Yeah. I didn't know his real name. I do. <laughs> it shows. Um, so we're going to move on from uh, vampires. We're going continuing with something that vampires do, and we're going to uh, talk a little bit about immortality. There's no i 
97.2. CamFM.co.uk. On air and online. Your CamFM. Hello and welcome back to the Science of Fiction. That was, of course, Who Wants to Live Forever by Queen and the wonderful Freddie Mercury. He is divine. So whilst we were just uh, playing that track, Daisy, you were telling me that you once may have played Bohemian Rhapsody very loudly in a library. Shh. I didn't say which library. It can never track you down. Um, I'm afraid may- maybe they can. Yes, it, it was a, so satisfying. There was nobody there. It was 5am. I was working. I was grumpy. And I thought, you know what? It needs to be done. It, it, well, you've done it now. Uh, and you, you're smiling from ear to ear. It's great. So, who wants to live around? So, this was obviously not in the case of Queen about immortality. It was actually about Freddie Mercury's very much his mortality. But... My knowledge of sort of science in the period we're talking about is very much it makes me think of the alchemists, the philosopher's stones, and all these stories. And of course, this isn't necessarily a derogatory term. It's what, it was a proto science. It's what would become chemistry. Uh, but one of the things that fiction often takes off it is the idea of looking for philosopher's stone, which was sort of the thing that did everything. Uh, and immortality, which comes up in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. uh, and the first book is the philosopher. Though in America, the sorcerer's stone. Yeah. Why? I, I don't get. I mean, even if you say Americans get confused by, it, I don't get why they would change it. Maybe because philosopher is a bit difficult. But sorcerer is not exactly. <laughs> easy. I, I, I don't get. It that. sounds more spiffy. Sounds more spiffy. It's all about being spiffy. Um, which, of course, was Voldemort trying to get his immortality, I believe, um, or at least trying to help himself out because he wasn't doing too well at that point. Hmm. Um, but it was something that people kept looking for. And the, the idea of philosopher's stone was very weird. It could do. As I said it could do everything. It could do transmutation. It could turn. Lower metals into gold, so lead into gold. Um, And you know, there was some. I mean, Newton, who we mentioned earlier, he was he considered himself an alchemist. Yeah, um, actually, alchemy was a very. It it was done in the Middle Ages, and the search for the philosopher's stone was a very real thing. It was considered as something which actually existed. Yes, though no one had found it. No, and still, no one has, sadly. But I mean, I was looking out because I was trying to find out, you know, what things had alchemy done for us in real, tangible things, and. Uh, I came across uh, a, a guy who I'm going to pronounce the anglicised version name, Michael Sendivogius. Vogius. Um, I can't pronounce. Can you pronounce that? There's no. letter, There's accents on those letters I can't even understand. Um, sorry to anyone. I think that might be um, Polish. Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, and he was. Yeah, so he's a Polish alchemist and philosopher, and he was a doctor. And he was. Um, he was actually the first person to discover oxygen. Uh, and he realised it was needed for life. If you took it away, things died. Uh, it was important for combustion. And it wasn't until... It was 170 years before someone really narrowed down what oxygen is. But I think that's incredible. But you've got... People think of this as a non-science. But they're making real, genuine discoveries. And he got it by... He was heating up nitre or saltpeter. Um, and it would give off oxygen. I, I just think that's brilliant. There was this brilliant video by Adam Savage, one of the Mythbusters. Oh, yeah. Um... It was one of the TED Talks he gave. You can look it back up on YouTube. And he talks about the discoveries of science and the past. And he actually makes the really lovely point that back in the days they didn't even have the the CERN particle thingy. The Large Hadron Collider. That one. Yes. Oh, God. I sound stupid now. No, I think as a historian you're allowed <laughs> not to know... What the light? It's one of the weird things. The light hand collider has just got amazingly picked up by the press, and you can say LHC on the news, and people won't say, "Oh, explain that acronym." But really, it's a really complicated thing, and you know, it, it's just something that people would love. I don't know why. Actually, it, in Dutch, literally translated, it's called the particle speeder. Oh, cool! I want a particle speeder. Exactly. 
and he makes the point that people were doing science without it and he makes the point of one of the Greek philosophers who calculate, uh, calculated the world circumcision c- circumcision really <laughs> circumference no, circumference yes <laughs> that one no the world's not circumcised as far as I know no uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, circumference with, with nothing but a stick and the sun oh so he was looking at how a shadow move around during the day and then he could plot how the earth was rotating something like that yes that is clever because the one I've heard is trying to explain how philosophy so even without experimentation you can actually solve some very simple well not simple very important scientific discoveries and one of them is if you drop a lead weight off a building does its weight make it go faster or slower and today we now know that two different weights Mm -hmm. fall at the same rate no matter what they weigh but for a long time people thought slow weights would go sorry light weights would go slower than heavy weights mm-hmm. uh, and what the philosophy is is if you say well what happens if you tie them together you end up thinking because together they're heavier but would the slow one slow the heavier one down and the only way you can come up with a rational answer without even throwing a cannonball off a tower which probably never happened in that apocryphal story um, is that you have to say they fall at the same rate otherwise you'll have trying to do both things at the same time it just isn't possible so if you fall off a building, make sure you're not held down by a fatso. No, because it makes no difference. If it were. If, if a if really it, important point. It would be an important point, but it makes... But air resistance does exist, so it only works for when there's no air resistance. So, uh-huh. like, if you've got a parachute, it clearly slows you down. So you do have to hold on to a fatso and make sure he's flat. And he has a very big cape. Actually, scrap him, take his cape. <laughs> but ha- have you seen, when we went to the moon, they actually took a hammer and a feather with them to drop them? And because there's no air, they fall exactly the same rate, and there's a video of it. That's amazing. Because, obviously, feathers we all think fall slowly, but it's just because they've got massive air resistance. Because birds find that rather convenient to stay in the air. Yes, one would think so. Right, well, when they're flapping and not when they're trying to... It's, it's specifically designed air resistance. Do birds design things? No, that's, um, that's getting to a That's a, a creationist no. question. That's a creationist question. I'm not going to go there. Um... But yeah, the other thing I find is quite cool is I did all this stuff about transmission and people get very, oh, it's ridiculous. We can actually now turn lead into gold, you know this? Well, I do know that you can put ash into diamonds, but... Well, that's cool. Uh, but what you can do is you can, in a nuclear reactor, you can, because ch- you can change the number of protons and neutrons in a m- metal, mm-hmm. you can actually add or remove them and change it from one element to another. The only problem is it's, it's so energetically expensive. It's just just easy to dig up the gold still. But it is cool that we can actually convert that into gold if we wanted to. So I've got an 80-watt mixer in my kitchen. Yeah. Can I do it? No. Oh. No. Sorry. Bugger. Yeah, no. So this is what the sun's doing all the time, though, when it turns hydrogen to helium and gives out light. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. the sun's doing it all the time, but you you notice the sun's a bit bigger than your mixer. It's a really good mixer. It has a power button. (laughs) Is that a power to go faster or just to turn on? No, it, it, it has the, the turbo power button. Turbo power. What, what do you use that for? What kind of food do you need turbo power for? Well, I just use it all the time because it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> okay, um, well, this next, next track is uh, Daisy's Choice, so uh, when we come back from it, you can blame her for it. Give me a second, I... I need to get my story straight My friends are in the bathroom Getting higher than the Empire State My lover, she's waiting for me Just across the bar My seat's been taken by some sunglasses Asking about a scar And I know I gave it to you months ago I know you're trying to forget But between 
between the drinks and subtle things, the holes in my apologies, you know, I'm trying hard to take it back, so if by the time the bar closes and you feel like falling down, I'll carry you home FM.co.uk On air and online Your Cam FM So that was We Are Young by Fun Yes it was And it was all your fault No So the only reason we, You might not like us Apparently that's been on Glee But I don't watch Glee So I don't know No nor do I I only found that out When I was looking up The song a bit And um, Because I I always forget titles And band names 
So actually, uh, there's this sentence in it which we set the world on fire, so we shine brighter, which is. I really like those words. So I had to Google those words to find out the name of the song and the title. And you found the Glee version. And I found a reference to the Glee version. I was like, oh no, they can't have done this to this gorgeous song. Well, to be fair, Glee have, on quite a few series now, they've probably done something to every song. Mm. So um, we were going to now talk about um, Saints. Yes. So so there are, there are a lot of these, uh, but you have some in particular you wanted to bring up, sort of the ones which kind of relate to the show yes i just been looking up for uh, saints with various stories to just show the diversity of how amazing saints can be and how interesting and funny their stories can be Do, I, I presume that the church doesn't like her saying they're funny this is a very serious topic it is yes is uh, they, they are the warriors of christ and they are martyred but sometimes in such interesting ways that normally horrific ways a, a, well, yeah, and uh, I, I, I remember because I, I remember people used to do certainly in the UK is hang up pictures of them around their house, and they always show them with their wounds they died by. So it was just a good way to give me nightmares. Yeah, well, their wounds are signs of their passion, and they are their glory. Yeah, but I was young, and it was terrifying. It, it, it can be a bit gross. So, um, who do you want to start with? Um, we could start with um, Saint Columba. Uh, Saint Columba de Rieti. Uh, I've got to apologise. I forgot to write down the dates. I'm, I'm a terrible historian. I, I don't like dates. Um, but this sort of shows uh, she did not die in a miraculous way. Or of course she had done healing miracles, or else you can't become a saint. Uh, the official rule is that you need to perform two miracles before the. Oh pope. yeah, because this happened to a priest recently in the UK, didn't it? The Pope came and ch- confirmed that yeah, you've done it. Yeah. Yeah, it is a sign that Jesus likes you very much. If you perform miracles. If you perform you, miracles. So presumably you don't perform the miracle, God performs them through you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it has to be done after you died. Yes. Not, through, not in your life, just when you're dead, to prove that you are in heaven, because if you're not in heaven, then God can't perform miracles through you. Okay. That's confusing. Um, but this Saint Columba Darieti, uh, she was so pious that she kept on flogging herself and self-mutilating herself. And at one point... But this was really common, wasn't it? Like, f- self-flagellation in the Middle Ages. Like, um, ev- like p- didn't lots of people do it? Not necessarily. It depends on which monastic order you're from. Okay. Some prefer gardening, others go... S- go for the whole self-mutilation. Yes. And at, at some point she was... Um, she was about, she, I don't know even how, because she might have been praying somewhere in a chapel. Saints are not supposed to leave their place, of course. But maybe she was doing some groceries and walking down the street and some men thought she looked cute. And they started taking off her clothes. And once they saw her body, they changed. They changed their mind. They changed their mind. Um, she, she was so horrendous. Uh, uh, yeah, I think a great, great campaign for feminism there uh, exactly it didn't really happen in the church did it it's it's an alternative to to um how are they called these walks that women do to oh i won't remember quick enough on radio no. um but yeah so um, that wasn't the only thing she did though or had done to her because it wasn't really consensual no it wasn't oh wow sorry Sorry. I got distracted. You what? got distracted. Yes. So where were you? So what? So what else happened to her? 
She just died, I suppose. But the, I've got different scenes here. This is a different one. Uh, my notes modelled. Uh, which okay. was why I got confused. Uh, I'm because um, Columba did this to herself, but sometimes um, God also makes women less than pretty. There's Saint Wilgefortis, and I'm pretty sure Saint Agnes also had it happening to her that when they were forced to marry, they spontaneously grew a beard. That is timely. That yes. is timely. Uh, and, I, and I can't give you a scientific reason why marriage would make you grow a beard. Well, no. But the amazing thing is, if you look up um, pictures of St. Wilgefortis, if her father was a bit angry with her for growing a beard <laughs> and crucified her. Oh, that's, that's not very nice. So that's why she then became a saint, was because she died. Yeah, she was martyred for her faith. And the, her images are a crucified woman with a beard. It is a brilliant image. That's, that's, that's a, not a way to be remembered. <laughs> Unless it's a really good beard, but that's generally it, something It is I'd an say. impressive beard, I've got to say. Um, Movember did not create things that gorgeous. Movember. <laughs> Movember for women is, is going to come. Um, so, yeah, and the other thing you could talk about is um, saints with incorruptible bodies, so their bodies don't decay, which obviously mm. is kind of a weird thing to claim, because, they, I mean... the. Is John Paul currently being checked out, or is it a different pope who's I in think, Vatican? I, I think John Paul, uh, John Paul is looking uh, quite well for a dead person. He's on his way to incor incorruptibility, I believe. But it is kind of fictitious because they do preserve the bodies quite well. For popes, yes. Um, the priests and women uh, basically are just laid out and apparently don't decay. There are loads and loads and loads of them. Which don't decay. Which just don't decay. Yeah. Hmm. It's probably still a bit smelly, though, isn't it? No, saints smell like roses. Yeah, I. Is there possibly any bias in the reporting of this? Um, I have been standing in Rome in front of some incorruptible bodies, of which one a foot fell off, so not <laughs> incorruptible. Um, I could not smell them because they were in a casket, and it's not okay to climb on top of the altar. And yeah, I mean, there's ways they stop you from scientifically confirming these, and they probably don't like people going. This is a scientific experiment. We need to check actually quite how corrupt they are with a measurement. I don't know if there's a, a scale for this either. You know, the <laughs> level of uh, smelliness. Uh, there probably is. There's there one has to be. Has to be. If you know the scale for smelliness, please send it in. Uh, and the guy we mentioned um, at the beginning, of course, flying, um, flying saints. Do you want to explain that one to us? Uh, sometimes saints get so excited about Jesus that they start to fly. See, this is cool. I, 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 I want to do this. How do I go about becoming a flying saint? You pray a lot. But apparently uh, meditation can also cause that. There, there are stories of Buddhists just setting off into the it sky. It could be dangerous, actually, if you don't come down again. Yeah, well, that was the problem with St. Joseph. People were actually quite concerned because he had these violent bursts of ecstasy and started flying around, and that excited the crowds. So the priest asked him, please do not fly again. <laughs> this is a health hazard. Health and safety in the Middle Ages, flying pri priests and monks. Uh, it's not something I'd ever thought about. That's, that's amazing that the, the church was actually scared by that. Yeah, it, it was a big problem. So they took him to some remote places where he could fly in safety. <laughs> so he actually had, like, flight control for their safety. Indeed. Brilliant. Indeed. Um, and Padre Pio set off as well. Padre Pio. Oh, and, so, and, and this actually had an effect even up to World War Two. Yes. Um, there were pilots who were supposed to bomb the area because apparently there were Germans or, or Mussolini people sitting there doing naughty things. Bad guys, yeah. And... 
uh, they wanted to bomb it, but at the same time there was also a monastery, which is a problem. You can't bomb no monks. And Padre Pio would just fly up as soon as a bombing jet comes and... Um, and defend them. And defend them. That is incredible. But he would also save people when a plane would crash, um, plane would burn out, and the pilots would be found a bit away, completely safe. Had a lot of miracles to his name. He's known Not as the just flying two. monk. The flying monk. There was a movie about that, but I guess it was completely different. I've never seen it. Oh, I d it's a movie called The Flying Monk, not a movie about this. What, what, what is it about? I can't remember. It's very bad. I avoided it like the plague. Well, I'll check during the next song on the... Is it like the horror movie with clowns from space? <laughs> clowns from space. I didn't know that existed either. It is gorgeous. It is so bad, but it's amazing. Well, before we go on to our, our next um, So Bad track, actually, uh, I just want to bring up the best miracle you've listened to, which is a woman who lost a huge amount of weight when she promised to marry. Yeah, I've got to Promised to marry, sorry, not marry. I've got to give a friend of mine credit, because I've been asking my friends for their favourite saint's life, so they could give it. And Yvonne actually sent me an email telling me about Zoete, uh, who is, <laughs> interestingly enough, is Dutch for sweet. Aww. And um, this woman grew insanely fat and couldn't leave her bed anymore. I mean, li like, like you can see these days in America. Yeah, before McDonald's, though. Yes, but she, I don't know why she grew fat. And she, dis she was a bit upset about that and promised the Virgin Mary, like, I can't leave my bed right now, which is a pity, because I wanted to make a pilgrimage so bad. And then Mary made her instant weight loss. We should market that. It's just... Weight loss via the church. I think Weight Watchers will be in trouble. Yeah, it's a good way to go. Um, so yeah, this next song, don't worry, um, if it terrifies you, uh, feel free to um, know that we're not going to play the whole of it. Uh, but it, it's, it's someone we, we have a lot of respect for just not their choice to go into music. FM.co.uk On air and online Your Calm FM So that was Charlemagne by Christopher Lee 
Um, I didn't know he did that. Is it an opera or is it just a musical? It is a complete opera. It is a complete opera. It's dire. It's awful. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm um, sorry to put you guys through that after houses. Yes, yes. Um, and whilst we were on that break, we did we did check out. It was not the Flying Monk cussing of it. It was the Flying Nun, which was an American sitcom, which has nothing to do with flying saints. Um, I think she got an aeroplane at some point or something. Um, but yes, Christopher Lee, uh, he, he's a legend. He's been from Saruman um, to... Uh, Darth Tyrannus installed, and of course Dracula many times, which I, I quite like. I also like the fact that he um, has played against Peter Cushing in both, effectively, he's been in Star Wars, which Peter Cushing did, and in most of his Dracula movies. Except Peter Cushing was a better actor. Yeah, well, Christopher Lee can do it. <laughs> I mean, Saruman was a really good performance. But, yeah, he's a bit... No, but, so who was Charlotte, and why on earth did he feel a need to write a musical about this guy? Because I actually wasn't really aware of even who this person was. Oh, indeed. He, he is uh, in France. He's a biggie in France. They consider him the father of, of Europe and the creator of the France. It's brilliant. So he um, he got coronated, or sort of coronated himself. It's a bit vague there. Um, around 800. Uh, before that, he was running around Europe with his sword, uh, Christianizing people. There is this amazing story in which he chased a load of Saxons into the river on sword point to baptise them. Ooh. That, that, that's forceful. It's how he goes. It's conversion. It's how he does it. So, um... Yeah, so he then... So, so did he have a lot... Did he cover quite a bit of Europe then? So it wasn't yes. just France. It was also into Germany and... Um, I believe a bit of Spain even. North of Italy... Uh, the Netherlands were just a swamp, if I'm if I'm correct. Well, the Netherlands was mostly underwater until recently, wasn't it? No, not all of it. <laughs> bits, bits. Of it it was a bit like the fence, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> Which I will point out, the Dutch failed to drain. Sorry. They got paid to do it, and they failed to do it. Oh my lord! I've got to, I've got to do that. <laughs> well, we've, we've, we did it since. We uh, got some other people in who were better. I thought I'm going to quit my PhD and drain the, drain the vents for you guys. No, the vents are now drained. That's why you don't get malaria here. Are you sure? You used to get malaria in Cambridge. That's weird. That is weird. Um, yeah. So so that is uh, Christopher Lee, who we were so we're so fond of, but and then he did this. Why? Why you, you poor man? Um, yeah. So we've got about four minutes left. I think the last minutes we should just talk about Dante and his Divine Comedy. Mm. So, um, of the three books, or three parts, uh, the only one that's really interesting is obviously Inferno, because it's hell. The yes. other two, it's just a bit boring. Paradiso is insanely... Well, I, I suppose people from a literary perspective will be really enjoying the meter and the rhyme and everything, but it's not where the cool stuff happens. So the cool stuff is in hell. Definitely. So, because he's the person who came up with this off... Or did he come up with or he just made very, very popular into all popular culture, the idea of several circles of hell? I think, I think it already existed, in a way, um, but he just made this amazing, detailed geography of it, which was unknown. That detailed. Yeah. So um, it's yeah. a it's a poem of him, if I'm correct, walking yes. through with Virgil. Virgil, uh, who was Roman poet. Yes. Yeah. So and uh, he's exploring hell. So why is he exploring hell? Uh, basically because he's so depressed and he wants to kill himself 
And then Virgil's like, no, you can't do that. You need to be happy. And then he takes him through hell. To cheer up. Well, he, he, he heads out of hell. You know, yes. it's a, but he st- it's kind of because he starts in the most... I'm driving the the outer parts of hell, so the outer ring where it's it's, it's always dark all the time, isn't it? And you can't yeah. see anyone else, and you can't feel anything. It's really bad there. Yeah, but that's like the most gentle form of hell, isn't it? It gets worse progressively. Yeah. <laughs> so he heads deeper and deeper into it. Yes. To go to purgatory, which when it will start getting better, but he doesn't know that, of course. No, no, he doesn't know where he's going. Virgil just leads him past all the sins and their respective punishments belonging to the sins. And then to Purgatory, which is a mountain, which is hard to climb at the beginning, but gets better to the top, which is not the way mountain climbing normally goes. It normally gets steeper. It normally gets worse to the top. But it's lighter because you will go to heaven. So the higher on the top you are, the, the better it goes. And then he, then Virgil can't join him into heaven because he's not baptised. Oh, he's, he's of course pagan. not. Yeah. And Beatrice takes over, his real-time lover. Oh. She's an angel. He's got an angel. So how far can he go in heaven? Can he go way over top, or is it... He can go all the way. Wow. That's huge. But there's some interesting things, like gravity flips yes. when he goes past Satan, or... Is he Satan or Lucifer in this? It's Satan. Satan. So when he passes him, the gravity flips because he's going down into hell, then he comes up through purgatory, which is kind of confuses him. He thinks he's going back into hell for a bit. Well, it's, um... According to the, um, scheme of the universe, hell was in the centre of the earth, and heaven way above. Yeah. So when you go into the centre of the earth, at some point you'll have to get out as well. So that's why gravity flips. It's when you have been when you've been to the centre and you climb up again. Sure. So and the, and the way he represents Satan is he represents a beast with three heads. Three heads. So it's representing the Trinity, isn't it? sort of an inverse Trinity or? I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. Yes. Possibly. <laughs> and what, what I found really interesting, though, so he's obviously, one has uh, chewing on uh, Judas, because he's the biggest sinner of all time, but also chewing on Cla- Brutus and Cassius. Cassius, who are, because they took out the Roman Empire, which was like this enlightened thing. I found that quite a cool little note. I am not certain why they dislike him that much. I don't think he even says so. He's just think, I think because they are betrayers. 